one in Christ's name this morning. I too would like to welcome everyone who's here. And um, yeah, I, I just also was, um, as that last song we sang, Will Your Anchor Hold? Uh, my mind also went to the funeral yesterday. And I just ask you this morning, is your anchor cast? Is your anchor cast where you want to end up? This morning, I uh, just thinking back, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, even up to a week ago, uh, I really didn't plan to go uh, in my message where I'm going this morning, but with the events of, of this past week and the passing of, of Brother Jordan, I've decided to talk, to speak on the brevity of life. Entitled the message, Teach Us to Number Our Days. The word brevity, uh, I decided I'm just going to look it up to make sure I know what it means. Um, shortness of duration is what Webster's Dictionary says. Shortness of duration. And as I, as I was um, th through the past week um, getting ready to, to share the devotional at the funeral yesterday, uh, I looked on my computer at, uh, under my funeral, um, funeral messages, well, it's messages, devotionals, and... I may have had some devotionals that I don't have in there, but I found three funerals that I took part in in the past uh, 10 years since I'm ordained. And those three funerals, two devotionals, one message now, those three funerals, the people were all younger than me. One of them was Daryl and Denise's um, infant son. Another one was Sierra Martin. And the other one was, was yesterday, um, Jordan. Um, yeah, 31 years old. And um, also in, in those past 10 years, another one comes to mind that I didn't have part in. Um, was at the viewing of um, Ernie Weaver's granddaughter, five-year-old, I think she was five years old, little girl that was uh, passed away from, from pneumonia and complications there. Life is short. Even if you live to be 80, 90 years old, in the grand scope of things, life is short. Is life here on this earth as we know it a gift? You know, we think of the experiences we have here. And, and life is not always easy. We face hard things in life. And as we consider what 
loved ones who have gone before us are experiencing in the glories of heaven. It, it's, it's beyond comparison um, to, to know what they're experiencing. I, I'm, I'm convinced. But we have been called to serve the Most High God here on this earth. And we have on this earth, we have opportunity to call others to, to serve Christ and to, to prepare for eternity. And it, it does take life on this earth for humanity to prepare for the gift of eternal life. God has given us life on this earth as a gift. There's a song that I don't, um, I'm not sure. I, I've heard it sung. I may have seen it somewhere, but I uh, didn't find it. But the chorus goes like this. We have this moment to hold in our hands and to touch as it slips through our fingers like sand. Yesterday's gone, and tomorrow may never come, but we have this moment today. I get the picture of a, a child in the sandbox, um, playing with the sand there, and getting a handful of sand, and letting it go through between their fingers. It just falls out, and... Um, you know, it can be dumped out quickly, or it can just, depends how, hard, how far the fingers are apart, take a little bit of time, but it's, it's gone, out of the hand. Do you think of your life in that way, as brief, as, as just for a time? We have a moment right now, and all moments past are gone. They're, they're not to be relived. We have right now, it says tomorrow may never come. We don't know about the next moment. We have this moment. And what are we doing with this moment? <coughs> Planning to um, just look at different passages this morning. And I'm going to invite you to Psalm chapter 90 for the, the opening passage. I'd like to read just a few verses here, and it's where I've taken the, the title for the message. Psalm chapter 90, reading verses 9 through 12. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Some interesting wording there. We spend our years as a tale 
that is told. <clears throat> that word tale, um, I think I saw different places, would have been, uh, the word sigh would have been used there. And in my Thompson chain reference, the margin here, it says, or we bring our years to an end as a sigh. A sigh is something that is weak and it's short. It's um, usually not extremely loud and it passes quickly. Life, the psalmist says, he says our years are three score years and ten, that's seventy years, and if by reason of strength, four score, so maybe even, even eighty years, and yet it's, it's a difficult life. It's, um, I, I think what the, the psalmist could be saying here is looking at a full life. 70, 80 years uh, be considering a fairly full life. No guarantee, as we well know, no guarantee that we will live to be 70 or 80 years old. But he says, so teach us to number our days. Now, I teach math. And this um, passage uh, talks about math here. Teach us to number our days. I've never taught my students how to count the days of their life uh, in their future. Um, on through, through school. <laughs> that's, that's just something we, you don't do. You, you can't. It's impossible to know the measure, to know the number of your days in the future. What's he saying here? Teach us to number our, our days. I, I'm not fully sure myself. Um, and yet, the thought I get that from this is, let's consider our past. We can count the days of our past, okay? Let's consider the days of our past. We know what's been there. And also let's consider the, the possible future. What have I accomplished in the past number of years? What have I accomplished in my life to this point? Um, the past Ten years, the past decade of my life. What have I done? Has it been a fruitful life? Probably every one of us, looking back over the, the past years of our life, would have some things to change, if we could. But we can't. That's gone. In considering our days, if granted, how would I change and do differently in the next 10 years. Consider 10 years back, 10 years future. But what would I do differently? He calls us to apply our hearts to wisdom. 
Is it possible to live our lives, to hold our future, could I say hold it, purposefully, and yet loosely, to, to endeavor to live our lives purposefully. So I am, I am right on the verge of, of passing a decade marker here, or hitting a decade marker, I should say, of 40 years old. And I, I can look back over the past 10 years, think forward, and I, I think that's okay to look forward and say, this, these are some things I would like to see change in my life, things I would like to accomplish. Um, and and, and while, while thinking that, allowing that to be loose, and yet recognizing that God may not give me those next 10 years, we don't know. To hold it loosely as sand slipping through our fingers. <clears throat> The question, the thought of where I would like to be in 10 years from now, how I would like to do life differently, how I feel convicted to do life differently. If I want to see that change, if I expect to see that change, today is the day to start. We don't simply get there um, just by wanting it. But today is the day to start. Right now is the moment to start, as this is the moment I hold in my hands. This is the only moment I have promised to me. Psalm 103 also talks about the shortness of life. Psalm 103, verses 14 through 18, For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone. And the place thereof shall know it no more. <clears throat> but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. And his righteousness unto children's children. To such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments, to do them. <coughs> The man is compared here to dust, and we could think of, of dust as being somewhat similar to sand, uh, yet even lighter. You scoop up a scoopful of, uh, of dust, and it also can slip through your fingers, um, just, just like sand, very similar. Another thing about dust is you can pick up a scoopful of sand, uh, of dust in your hand, and you can blow it, and it's it goes. It's gone. Another comparison is, is grass. Grass is short-lived. Um, we, we maybe think of mowing the lawn and how the mower just goes over it and just, just clips that grass off. Um, the writer, uh, I think it was David here, of this psalm probably understood grass even in a different way of, of uh, being, uh, being a shepherd and maybe had some areas of sparse grass and the burning heat would come up 
and, and bring an end to the grass quickly or wither it. Um, however, that all worked there. But one thing is such a blessing. He talks here about the mercy of God to those that fear him. Tremendous mercy. He says that the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. There is no end to the mercy of God for his people. might just mention we think of our lives being compared to uh, a tale that is told to a sigh to uh, the dust the grass and James talks of it also as being a vapor you think of going out on a cold morning and and blowing your breath into the air you see that vapor and it's gone or the steam from a kettle of water it goes up and it just it disappears. It's gone. Life is short. As we consider the shortness of life, what are we doing with life? Where is our anchor cast? As we consider the shortness of life, brothers and sisters, let's be ready. I'm going to read a few verses from Matthew Chapter 24. Matthew 24, beginning in, in verse 42 and reading through the end of the chapter, says, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh, who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him in sunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Watch therefore. And then in verse 44, it says, uh, Therefore be ye also ready. Be ready. Be ready at any moment. And he says, um, we can kind of, we can gather from this, that God uses his servants who are watching and ready. God has a plan and a way to use you, to use us in the work of his kingdom. <clears throat> in thinking of being ready, first of all, make Jesus the Lord of your life. 
Romans 10, verse 9, says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Brothers and sisters, that's a start of, of being ready for, for Christ. Uh, whether it's his return or whether he comes to take us one by one. To, to cast our anchor, to make him Lord of our life, to confess him as our Lord and Savior. And then we are called to obey the commands of Jesus. Uh, re- I'd like to read a few verses from Mark chapter 12. <clears throat> As we think of the commands of Jesus, what are the commands of Jesus? Mark 12, verse 28. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth. For there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any question. The scribe asking Jesus what is the first commandment. Maybe we could translate that to say the most important commandment, the greatest commandment. And Jesus says the first commandment is to love God with all your heart, to place God first. And Jesus couldn't stop there because the first commandment and the second commandment, as it is termed here, go hand in hand to love God and to love your neighbor, to love mankind. I Have you wondered? Jesus said, Thou art not far from the kingdom. What, what was there something that this scribe was lacking? Jesus, I think, saw him as a sincere man. And as I, as I pondered that, there's another verse 
that um, Jesus shared with his disciples. Uh, I'm just going to turn there, John 13, 34. Um, Yeah, I, I think this was with his disciples. But he said that by this shall all men know. Uh, no, back up. Verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. So, is that a step in, in thinking of the commandments and what this scribe was looking for? Um, this verse takes it a step further. This, the new commandment, where Jesus says, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Now, as we ponder what we generally think of as love for each other, um, does our love, we, 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 do we have our levels that we love people um, where we, we care for ourselves? Let's just put it this way. We care for ourselves. We take care of our, our loved ones, our family. But as we think of Jesus' love, how much did Jesus love and care for himself in comparison to the multitudes around him where Jesus gave and gave and gave and kept on giving and went the whole way to the cross for all of mankind. Jesus says to love one another as he loved us. And is that is that what the scribe there was missing? The next level that he needed to go to. <clears throat> Loving our neighbor is fleshing out our love for God. Two tests to know if we love God. One, if we keep his commandments. Two, if we love our brother, our neighbor. When we get wrapped up with ourself, love for ourself, things that please ourself, it draws us away from God. But Jesus' call to us is to Come, take up our cross to follow him. That's death to self, and that's giving of ourselves to him and, and caring and loving those around us. In our endeavor to be ready, make Jesus Lord of our life, we obey his commands, and we are called to grow in grace. Second Peter 3.18 says, but grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him 
be glory both now and forever. I'd like to turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. As we think of growth in the Christian life. Life is not, the Christian life is not just a matter of making an initial commitment to Christ. And, and beyond that, doing everything right. But it is also a matter of growing in Christ. 2 Peter 1, the first 11 verses. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us, through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. <clears throat> and beside all this, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. But if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I, I look at this passage, especially verses 5 through 7, as a life of growing in Christ. The, in verse 10, he calls us to, he says, give diligence to make your calling and election, sure. And those words, calling and election, um, another word, uh, words that could um, mean similar there are invitation and selection. Now, as I think of an invitation, there are, there are two calls in this life to man, two calls for the souls of man. One is from the enemy, the devil. And 
the other one is from, from God to come to him through Jesus Christ. And the call here is to, to make sure of the invitation, the calling. Make sure. Make sure that we know where we're going. Make sure of the selection that we have made, that we have answered the call to Jesus and not the call to the world. In thinking of that certainty, our lives, uh, to, to, to be sure, our lives need to be growing in Christ and in his grace. And the verses that I mentioned here, verses 5 through 7, are speaking of incremental growth of the Christian life. I, at times, um, like to have a checklist of things. Um, doesn't happen often anymore, but sometimes on a Saturday, I have made a list of things to do for the day. And it's nice to go over that list and strike it off, strike it off, strike it off. And um, you get to the end of the day, and hopefully everything is struck off that list. And it just gives a feeling of satisfaction. But I don't see this growth in Christ and in, in the Christian graces here as being a checklist that we chalk off. And so we have faith, check mark, and we've added virtue, check mark, and now knowledge, check, 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 on down through. But it's simply a continual growing, a continual growing. Um, as you grow in one area, we can grow in another area, and we can come back, and we can grow more. Um, I don't know if people who have come to a place where they say my faith is just com complete. It's, uh, you, <laughs> we, we want to continue growing in, in every area of Christian grace. And we, we note the word diligence two times in this passage. Verse 5, besides all this, giving all diligence, add. And then in verse 10, Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. It's speaking of effort that we need to put forth on our part. And as we consider our areas of weakness in our Christian lives, these are areas that we will probably always need to be aware of, always endeavoring to grow in When God speaks, listen and obey. And that's Christian growth in our lives. Just want to refer yet, not planning to turn there, but to the rich young ruler who recognized that his life was but for a time. He comes to Jesus and he says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus went through a number of commands uh, from the Ten Commandments. 
The rich young ruler had pretty much checked them off. He had done that. But he recognized something was missing. When Jesus told the rich young ruler to sell what he had and give to the poor, he hit what was dear to this man's heart. His possessions, his wealth. And I ask the question to myself and to each one of us, how much of what I do is me-centered? How much of what I do is me-centered? My, my decisions that I make. Daily decisions, financial decisions, the purchases I make, the things I do for relaxation, my daily routines, how much is centered around me? Or how much can I center the entirety of my life around God and around the work that he would have me to do? If you would live life well, the call of Jesus tells you how. Go, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. I have a couple verses here in closing. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to turn to them. And I um, maybe feel a little bit scattered with them. I'm just going to read them. Micah 6.8 says, He has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. To live a righteous life. To have a mercy, to care about those around us, and to walk humbly with God. Hebrews 12.1 Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And I don't have it in my notes printed, but it also continues looking to Jesus, uh, the one who has, the, the, who has written, the author, the finisher of our faith. We have a tremendous cloud of witnesses. Some of those witnesses are the testimonies that have gone on before. We have those around us, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and Jesus Christ himself. And we're called to lay aside the weight, the things that burden us down so that we can't run that race uh, as we ought to. That we, 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 we lay those weights down, uh, the things that bind us to this life and this earth so that we can effectively run the race for Christ. James Chapter 4, verse 13 through 15. Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Just again, holding life loosely, 
allowing God to hold our life. The final verse I want to share this morning, Ecclesiastes 12.1, familiar verse. I, I'm going to put myself in the youth category. Betty Ann, you might want to be in the youth category too. <laughs> Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Just, just keep our creator in focus. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. I know that is a call to, to the youth as we um, think of youth. And I cannot um, claim to be a youth anymore, although sometimes I feel in some ways like a youth. But um, may each one of us keep our God, our Creator, always ever before us, walking this life purposefully for him, not getting caught up in, in the many things that we individually get caught up in, but taking up our cross and, and making Christ Lord, making his call to us more than anything that we could pursue in this life. Let's kneel for prayer.